Hey everyone, welcome to season three of the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, community advocate, and like you, I'm a leader who is learning and growing every day. I've worked with a lot of teams and leaders over the years. I've really seen what works and unfortunately, what hurts. Right now, we are going through a massive shift in the workplace with the great resignation, remote work, hybrid work, diversity and inclusion, and overall sense of overwhelm and burnout. As leaders, it's easy to get lost in the many competing needs for your time. I'm here to help you navigate your way through these waters, to present ideas to inspire and motivate, ultimately to help you create a thriving, sustainable culture which inspires your team and helps your business succeed. So let's get to it. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Teams with Edge. This week I have a special guest, Leanne Kim, founder and CEO of Mamas and Co and a business coach who helps a community for specifically mama entrepreneurs. She is the host of the wildly popular podcast, The Business of Thinking Big, and the author of the best-selling book, Building a Joyful Business, which I think Leanne may be offering to all of our listeners afterwards. Leanne is on a mission to help women make a great living on their own terms, doing what they love, which is exactly in alignment with what I want to do. So thank you so much, Leanne, for joining me. Um, Why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and why you're so passionate about helping female entrepreneurs? Sure. Well, first of all, Ashley, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to finally meet you face to face and voice to voice. And yeah, as Ashley said, So I'm a business coach. I started uh, my career, I ended up kind of falling into a sales career, if you can believe it. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I wasn't very good at it, but over time I got better and better at it. And I eventually ended up leading teams and training people as well. And then after I had kids, I realized my priorities had changed and I wanted to be doing something that was more aligned in doing something that was more in alignment with um, my beliefs and my values. And so at that time, I was making somebody else a lot of money, (laughs) selling a product that wasn't really aligned with where I was anymore in life. And so I decided that I wanted to take all the 20 plus, at that time, I guess it was 15 years of sales experience and turn that into some sort of consulting business. So Mm -hmm. originally I thought I'd be doing sales consulting for smaller businesses But very quickly, I realized where my heart was, was working with these mostly newer mom entrepreneurs. A lot of them struggled with sales, but what that stemmed from was, um, you know, a lack of self-confidence and self-worth and and even just kind of knowing how to articulate our values. So that's really when my business started to take off is when I made that connection that, oh, this this is who I'm meant to serve. And it's just been so joyful ever since. Yeah. And It's really funny because on this podcast, we've talked a lot and such a common theme that comes up is the mindset Mm. and really how, for whatever reason, and I know this could be a whole other podcast episode, we have so many stories and beliefs that have been 
helping us or holding us back. And there is such freedom. And I hope you agree. There's so much freedom when you can let it go Mm. and shift and flip that story a little bit. So I know for myself, I was similar. I had that corporate job. I was working for someone else, um, kind of doing the nine to five every single day. And as soon as I had my son, my priorities completely shifted. Mm. And I kind of attribute him to being my, my freedom. (laughs) He helped me realize what I didn't want to do anymore. So it's, it is such an empowering feeling once you get there, but even myself, I've definitely struggled with sales and being okay, standing in the spotlight a little bit. Mm -hmm. And even one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to (laughs) force myself to do that. So when you're working with um, your clients, what are some of the most common challenges you're seeing today? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. And, um, I mean, I would say the biggest one is probably imposter syndrome or a version of that. Right. And that's what kept me in a day job for so long too. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I, I really, really was this deep down. I was this leader. But in my job, I, um, the, the opportunities for advancement did not fit the lifestyle I wanted, meaning it was a lot more commitment, way more hours, and you'd have to be attached to like a 24-7 cell phone, which just to me was like not the quality of life I knew mm-hmm. I wanted. So here I was, I, I knew I wanted to be this leader. I knew I didn't want it in this particular company that, and I, and I, I, felt, I felt like I, I wanted to do something for me. But there was this voice in the back of my head saying, you're not an entrepreneur. You don't, you don't come from that. You don't know that. Mm. You don't have that in you. You're an, you're an employee. I'd always been an employee. But yet, when you look at my past life, and I've talked about this on my own podcast, I had all these inklings and all these times in my life where I had started little projects or started you know, side hustles and things like that, that were all leading me to entrepreneurship but I kept shoving them away because in my mind, I was a good employee. I was good at making money for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I see versions of this in all the women that I coach. I see, I see the thought leader that I know they are. And then I see how they see themselves too. And they don't see what I see yet. Right. Which is, right. which is such a joyful part of what I get to do is, is help people become the woman I know they can be. But we all struggle with that. We all struggle with feelings of not enoughness and feelings like we're not ready yet for that. You know, I I was 40 years old when I finally had the courage to quit my day job and go all in on me. But up until that point, and I I had for years, I was I was moving towards it. I was testing the waters, but I didn't have it in me yet until that day where I said enough is enough. I'm I'm not going to be doing this into 2017 was the year that I went into self-employment um for okay. myself. so that was a that was a six-month journey from the moment I said I'm not doing this to okay I'm actually gone I'm doing think it the, yeah I'm doing it I'm, it's happening but um but we all we all face that and mm-hmm. we all tell ourselves we can't and we all tell ourselves we're not ready yet we're not ready yet that's probably yeah. the biggest pain, problem that I see I see that as like our armor that we wear right it's there almost as a defense mechanism, it protects you from whatever scary thing you think is out there. And 
the embarrassment I've heard from a lot of people. It's, you know, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of disappointment, of looking silly, all of these little things. And I even had a conversation with someone yesterday who she 100% can do her own business. And she's been doing it on the side for years, but keeps hopping from one terrible corporate job to another one and facing the same problem because she doesn't want to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. And as long as she continues working for someone else, she's going to have the same challenges. And it is just this fear of not having a business behind you or, you know, a leader behind you, I guess, um, to hold you up and then having to be that for yourself. So I guess like once women take that step, mm-hmm. they kind of get to that place where they do feel ready and there's a lot that has to go into that. A lot of self-care, a lot of mindset work. Um, but I'm also seeing a lot of needing to be okay, accepting help. Yeah. Do you, do you, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And, oh my gosh. It's something that I, I, I preach and teach. It's something that I talk about in the book as well. There's a reason why I dedicated an entire chapter to building your team, because I really do believe that we, we can do it alone, but why would you want to? And to be honest, most of us are going to reach a ceiling really quickly. If we insist upon doing it alone, I was that woman. Mm -hmm. I thought I'm not a people manager. I don't want to, I don't want to have seven people reporting to me. I'm doing this for me. But then you realize that that freedom that you were looking for through entrepreneurship is slowly stripped away if you don't have help because you end up doing all the things that you're not meant to be doing. Like I didn't start a business so that I could be building my own crappy website (laughs) because I don't know how to do that. I didn't start a business so that I could be doing data entry or, you know, like some of the stuff that is either just not in my wheelhouse or not in, you know, doesn't light me up. Yeah. So we get to this stage where in order to be truly, I think, truly successful and and sustainable, we need people on our team who can help with some of the stuff that we're just not meant to do. And I think a lot of women tell themselves again, like I did, just like I did. Oh, no, I'll do it all on my own. I don't want the headache of having to manage people. But that's very limiting. And it's a mindset Mm -hmm. thing as we were talking about right? It's a limiting belief and it's, it's holding us back from the next level. Yeah. And so I've been there as well. I think the very first thing that I hired out was my bookkeeping. Amen. Right. It made so much sense. I was like, huh, weird. I'm not getting paid because I haven't sent out the invoices. (laughs) So it was one of the very first things that I knew I had to hire out for, but I also don't have to manage them on a day-to-day basis because they are a separate company. And I think that that could be part of where that block is for a lot of women is, Mm -hmm. is, and maybe this is a question for you, is there a difference in that freedom of hiring out, like outsourcing a company versus hiring someone who is on your team, who Mm. works with you day in and day out? So I think there is a difference. I think there's outsourcing and then there's what I call insourcing. Mm. Outsourcing is, is pretty much what most of us do in the beginning, which is like, I'm going to pay someone to take this off my plate. I don't want to see it. I don't want to touch it. 
usually it is something like bookkeeping, website development or maintenance or, you know, stuff, virtual assistant related stuff, right? It's just right. like, I'm just going to pay, I'm going to outsource it. But the problem with that is then it puts, puts the onus on an outside party that isn't invested in your business mm. to grow your business, right? Like they're, you're, you're getting help so that you can grow. So when you treat someone like the hired help, like you've outsourced it, mm -hmm. there's a very different energy than what I think I started to create, you know, probably, you know, by the time I got to year three and four in my business, which is that I'm bringing people, I'm bringing experts into my business who truly care about the vision and the growth and the goals that I have. And they are just as invested as I am in reaching those goals. And now when you look at my team, my top two or three people, they touch my business almost every day. If something goes wrong, there's full responsibility for that. Mm. They have ownership. In fact, we're in, um, we're just, we just completed the launch of our spring conference tickets and they are the ones that are, you know, on the line for reaching our goals, not me. Yeah. Cause they're the ones putting the components together. And so there's a, just a real sense of pride, I think. And there's, there's a real beautiful sense of teamwork when you once you have that, and it does come from a mindset shift as a leader. Um, we can't treat our teams like just like the hired help. Mm -hmm. We have to also, I think we have to be very clear on what we, what the business needs, not what we need personally, because sometimes that's different. Oftentimes it's different, Yes, <laughs> um, but we need to be clear on what the business needs. And this is some of the stuff that I do work with when I look at my six figure business owners that I coach and how we struggle with making decisions, right? Who to hire, who to fire, when to give someone a warning versus when to let them go, when to have a difficult conversation or turn a blind eye to a problem. You know, we struggle with this piece because most of us don't have experience. Most of us want to avoid conflict, <laughs> right? But then, but then we're not leading. We're right. again, we're kind of putting it, putting it out there saying, gosh, I hope this problem takes care of itself. Um, but it's, it's so important that we cultivate that leadership mindset and we are willing to kind of take a look at these pieces because it's, it again is, is what is going to, it's all about what's going to get the business to the next level. Not what, my, what, not what I need or what my ego needs or what this one person needs, but what is the business need to thrive? Yeah. And it's, you know, I truly believe in creating cultures where everyone thrives as well. And, you know, not just the leader. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say, and maybe you've seen this too, over, I think it's been happening for a while, but I do think that the pandemic has completely exposed um, toxic environments, um, you know, bully leaders, you know, people who are so unsatisfied at work that they are just leaving their jobs. Mm -hmm. And constantly we're hearing about how hard it is now to hire someone. Um, you can't find staff. People are just like loyalty issues, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that this has become now another block for leaders in taking that step to go out on a limb and hire someone because you're hearing and I, I attribute this back to motherhood because 
I do that often. I'm sure you yeah. do as well. There are some big links between the right. two. <laughs> yes. When you become a mom, all of a sudden you get told all these stories of like, your time is no longer your time. Um, you sacrifice everything for your child. Um, you know, good luck sleeping again. Like all of these things, like you will never not worry. <laughs> And I think that some of those things are now happening to leaders. And I think especially female leaders who have children are probably being triggered (laughs) and it feels the same. It feels very much like, oh my goodness, I have to give them everything. Mm -hmm. I can't have a hard conversation because they might just leave me. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to tell people bad things about me. And this this worry spiral of not being a good enough leader is actually Mm. holding people back from even trying. Yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, I, I, I do think that the last couple of years have brought about unique challenges that we haven't seen before. And I, and I, I agree with you, but here's what I would say. I think that for many of us, we are a big part of the problem. Like, even if you just take something like mom guilt, for example, mm-hmm. which is, is, is like what you just described, but in the mom world, yep. it's the feeling of I'm not doing enough or I'm not being a good enough mom, right? That's, that's yep. the, at the root of that feeling. Well, all that is, is a belief. And is that serving you? This is why I, I actually want to abolish mom guilt. And a lot of my women will say to me in, in private, I feel, you know, deep down, I feel like I can't be good at business and be a good and present mom because Mm. it's requiring me to split my focus. And I just, I feel like I can't do it. And I would completely call BS on that. But I also think it's about, you know, deciding where you want your energy to go. I knew from a very early stage of motherhood that I did not want to be the bake sale mom or the fundraising mom or the team mom or any, it just, that's not in my heart. But I did know that I wanted to be able to walk my kids to school every morning. I did know that I wanted to be able to make them dinner because that's something that I enjoy and something that we value is having meals together as a family. So I I think, you know, we have to be very careful of the stories we tell ourselves. And one Mm. of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is what you said earlier. um, Oh, good help is hard to find. Well, if you keep saying that enough times, how much, how likely is it that you're going to yep, experience exactly. that, right? <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and that's, that's why entrepreneurship is, is a mindset game, right? Whatever we tell ourselves, we will experience. So mm-hmm. when my women get to that, you know, they're six figure businesses, they're on the road to seven figures. They're only going to get there through a help, the help of a team. I'm always helping them with that leadership mindset and always being on the lookout for thoughts like that, that are going to be limiting our growth. And do you think this too gives leaders, you know, maybe exposing some of the challenges that employees have been having in the workplace? Do you think it's an opportunity for leaders to uplevel their leadership style or take a look and just say, oh, actually, maybe I haven't been connecting with my team, or maybe there is a better way to do this that will do better for business as well? I absolutely think so. I think this is a turning point for all of humanity. If I'm Mm -hmm. being honest, it's it's not just leaders. It's not just mothers. This is a turning point for all of us to say, am I, am I being as empathetic as I could be? Am I truly listening? Because I'll tell you that's, that's my flaw. I'm not a good listener. 
Mm. I'm a good talker, (laughs) as you can probably tell. Um, I, I, I always have a million ideas in my head and they're always spinning. And we have to be mindful of that is that these people that have chosen to work on our teams, they have chosen to be, in many cases, they're giving up something else to be working within our team. So it is our responsibility to make sure that we are connecting with them regularly. We're hearing them out and we're really listening and taking their feedback in. And then we're acting on that feedback, right? One of the things that my team has told me recently and not so subtly is, you know, you get ideas and you wanna go, but we feel sometimes like we're left behind cleaning up your mess. And that's, that is very common in the entrepreneurial world, right? So yep. one thing that it's forced me to do is really take a look at every opportunity that we say yes to in the business and bring it to the team and say, this is the opportunity. This is why I think it's going to make a difference to us. And this is how I'd like it to roll out. What do you think? And that's when they'll say, we love it, but not right now. Or that'd be a great project for summer, Leanne. Like I get a lot of that. Can we look at that in July? Like, you know, and it's, it's important that we hear them out because the last thing you want is for your people to feel like they are just a reciprocal for your tasks, right? Like that your brain just, dump, right? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. So I do, I do think it's, this is a bit of a call to arms. I think mm-hmm. for many of us, we've been leading in a way that feels good for us. But it, this is the wake-up call. Um, you know, one thing that we noticed that I've had people speak up about is mental health issues within the team um, and, and people needing additional support, people yeah. going through really tough times. And, you know, I think in past, many of us would say, that's not my problem, but it is. Because if you have someone on your team who's doing a great job and you want to foster that growth and you want them to stay within the organization, then we need to be on the lookout for the challenges they're going through and ask mm-hmm. ourselves, how can we make their lives easier or better or more fulfilling? I think yeah. it absolutely, it was not something I thought a lot about in the early stages of being a leader. And it's something I very much think about now. Yeah. I think it makes, you know, there's so, there's so many things there that I'd love to dig into. And I know even myself, sometimes I think about leadership And I used to be a very reactive leader, Mm. right? I was always reacting to whatever project was coming up or whatever pressing deadline there was or team challenge there was. It was more reactive than me slowing down and building in time to be more proactive. So, you know, I think for a lot of leaders, and maybe you've heard this as well, it's like, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to connect with all my team members. Do you know how much time that's going to take me? Mm. But the time it will cost you having to rehire someone and retrain them is going to be way more. And I tend to, um, similar to you, I have a million ideas going through my head at a time. And sometimes even I'll catch myself in a meeting um, talking about one thing and then be like, ooh, this just popped into my head. We can't forget about this, but it's like a month away. And they're like, yeah, thanks for just dumping that on me. And so I've been taking more care at really plotting time out in my calendar. And now I have standing time in my calendar that just says, check in with your team. Mm -hmm. It's like 15 minutes, twice a week, 
where it's a pause for me, where I can just shoot them a couple of emails or give them a phone call or FaceTime them and just see like, how are you doing? Everything okay? What do you need my help with? Because uh, it is not in my immediate nature to stop and do that, right? I would only really do that if I was in a meeting with them or needed something from them, as opposed to setting the time aside to now it's just there. I don't even like past Ashley reminds me (laughs) of that. Right. Um, And there are definitely ways for leaders to build that in to their plan so that they don't have to be thinking of it on the fly that they can set up. um, I like to do this with teams set up gratitude Fridays where every Friday, everyone on the team shares a win and something they're grateful for and it just becomes a habit and you just celebrate things and it becomes part of your every week or every day, um, culture. I love that. And we do that too, in a way on Fridays, uh, every, every Friday before I sign off, I send them, we use Voxer, a voice memo tool. So we, we all connect there and I'll send them all a weekend boxer. And I'll just say, this was a great week. Look at what we accomplished. Thank you so much you know, for this contribution and this contribution and just acknowledge them in that way. Um, but I, I think it's so important. And actually you reminded me of two things. If, you're, if it's okay, I'd love to share two yeah. things that I think leaders could do to up their leadership game. Absolutely. Um, the first thing is I really do believe in a standing weekly team meeting. Mm-hmm. that if it's on your calendar every week, you just show up and you have a dedicated time and space for that team communication. For us, it's Mondays at 2.30. It's right at the end of our day, but it's early in the week because I find if we connect on Mondays and we get all of the stuff out that we need to, it cuts down on our emails back and forth. It cuts down on our voice memos back and forth. It enables everyone to really laser focus on what needs to get done within the next five days. And it's just, it's been a game changer for us. So I'm a big fan of the Monday weekly team meeting. We always have an agenda that we work from as well. So things don't get off the rails as they sometimes yes. can with, with creatives and, and contractors and people working yes. from all different locations. Um, and so that's, that's advice. Number one is make it a system, put it in your calendar. If you don't need the meeting, you can always cancel it. But, but I believe that it, it's a game changer for teams. And if you yep. know that you're, com- you've committed your team is counting on you, you're going to show up, you're going to be there, you're going to be on for them, which is going to allow you to be on for you and your business as well. Yeah, that's that's number one. Um, And then the other one, and it's what we originally talked about when we talked about doing this episode is feedback. Hmm. I think a lot of us shy away from giving direct and critical feedback because we're scared we're going to hurt someone's feelings. Oftentimes, though, if we're not careful, that leads to situations getting out of control and problems, you know, escalating and, 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 and needing to let somebody go because they can't seem to get it right. But if we could implement and, and really kind of cultivate a habit of providing direct and honest feedback live in real time, it would save us a lot of that heartache. So what most women do is, is, oh, here's, here she is again with this problem. It's not done right. I thought I told her, and then they end up kind of moving away from it and not addressing it. And instead I would say, as soon as you see something that is not in alignment with the expectations, you've got to bring it up that day. 
whether you jump on a quick call, whether you send them, you know, sometimes when, when two parties are, are busy and can't connect, sometimes I'll have to film a little video and send it over, or I'll send them a voice memo and say, you're doing this, but we talked about doing this and I need this, <laughs> right? I need to see this change. I'm going to be checking back in a couple of weeks to make sure that you've been able to make this happen. And, and why we do that is we, we also want to remind them that we want them to succeed, Absolutely. right? So we're going to give them a timeline to make the required changes. We're going to let them know that we got our eye out on this to make sure the problem goes away. And we're going to give them a set period where we're going to connect back with them on this. Um, and I, I think if we can get in the habit of doing this, what we'll find is problems don't, problems don't explode. <laughs> People don't explode. That's right. <laughs> People will get used to your leadership style as you are, you know, the more you can get clear on your leadership style and delivering feedback helps with that the more your team will get used to your style. So I think in the beginning, my team was like, oh, she's such a fun, energetic person. And then when I gave feedback, it was like, oh, okay, she's serious, right? But they, people have to know when they're not doing what is expected of them. And so often we think they should know this, or I thought I told her, but guess what? Maybe you told her, but maybe you weren't that clear. Yeah. Or maybe she forgot. <laughs> maybe she didn't write it down. So, you know, I think we need to get comfortable addressing it and not just in a quarterly performance review, because for most of us that are are running entrepreneurial organizations, that's just not realistic to wait three months to see if somebody improves. That's a lot of money going out the door if you're not happy with someone's performance. And then it almost feels like you're blindsiding them too, right? If, If they didn't know about it and depending too on the size of your team, if you know, you accidentally let it slip to another team member that you're feeling frustrated or the, another team member even says something like, are we going to talk to so-and-so about this? I think it, you know, especially when you're dealing with multiple team members, it helps build trust that the leader has it. Like I've got this because you're also showing that you're going to follow through on things. You're going to have the tough conversations, but you can still have the tough conversations and be empathetic and compassionate, right? We don't have to, I think so many of us think about feedback as like your angry teachers, like red writing on your piece of paper. That's like, do better next time. Or you see the like cross outs in your essays. And that's what we think about feedback or being yelled at, right? by by someone and that's not what feedback has to be mm-hmm. um I know a few people who've actually changed the word feedback to feed forward I'm not mm-hmm. a huge like I get it they're just trying to make it again a mindset shift of this is helping you move forward yeah um and embracing feedback but you really have to make that part of your culture I think and as a leader my question to you is how do you receive feedback? And are you open when your team says, okay, I got that, but here's what I need from you in order to be able to do this. Yeah. I think it's absolutely a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, like when I think back to my really early days, I did not take feedback well. And I, I, I think as entrepreneurs, we get to build what we want 
And it's kind of that feeling like, this is my business. Nobody can stop me. But then when we start working with people on the team, um, you know, we have to be careful because that mindset no longer serves us when there's mm-hmm. five people working together. So um, I think I'll be very honest in the early days, it would feel like a bit of a hit to the ego. And I, I would have feelings of like, who is, who does she think she is to tell me that I, I hired her. Um, right. I'm just going to be really honest. I didn't yeah, have a, absolutely. Of, a ton of this experience and it just, it, it feels like that because as an, as the entrepreneur owner, as the founder, you created it. Mm-hmm. So it does feel like someone's attacking your own personal ideas, right? Your own personal values when somebody ha- gives you critical feedback. But then again, as time goes on, I think you find people who you love working with and they, they start to understand you and understand you know, a big part of giving feedback is, is not taking things personally yourself. Cause if you give feedback, you might get it in return right then and yes. there. Um, and I think a lot of people don't want that. So it's, it's being open to having those difficult conversations. It's cultivating a lot of self-awareness too. leadership and, and entrepreneurship are just like a massive journey in, <laughs> in relationships yeah, and, <laughs> and, and relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think at the core, at the core of this, not wanting to give feedback is um, not, is wanting to be liked, right? We want to be liked by everybody. We want Mm -hmm. everybody to go, she's great. So we, we think, oh, I've got something negative. I have to say to someone, or someone said something negative to me, that must mean that they don't like me. That must mean that I'm a bad person. We make it mean stuff that it doesn't really mean. And this is why I think if we can just have, have difficult conversations often yeah. um, and, and cultivate that sensitivity too, right? As you say, not everybody comes from a place where they've received a lot of feedback. I can remember in my first sales job, I was demoted from my first sales job because I wasn't good at sales. And it crushed me because up until that point in my life, I had pretty much been rocking all the stuff that I had <laughs> taken on. And then here I, here I am in a career that I was bad at. Right. Yeah. So we, we make it personal. We make it mean stuff that it doesn't mean. And, and really all feedback is, is the message that we could be, we could be doing better. I think we all have to embrace that. What, no matter what side of the conversation we're on. Yeah. And I think it's important to know it comes from a helping area. And when you can you know, get out of your ego, which I know is a challenge for a lot of people. But I think I'm going to just say this on here, maybe because I'm not feeling well, I'm just feeling gutsy. I think women have an easier time stepping outside of the ego and leading from a place of compassion and empathy um, and can really take leadership to the next level. I really believe that more of us should lead like women and Mm -hmm. I don't see that as a bad thing right we used to be you and I are similar generation where we were probably told when we started our career like you got to lead like a man a lot of our like a lot of my female leaders that I used to report to were told to lead like men and they were direct and they were like not friends with their employees and it was very dictator authoritarian but now it's like the new wave of leader is it's okay to lead with compassion it's okay to lead with empathy 
and you can still make really good progress and have hard conversations because I don't know, you're just a bit more present maybe. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, I think leadership is changing, Mm -hmm. which is nice to see. And I think that we're seeing more room for both. Like I've actually, I've, I've been accused of being overly masculine like, or having masculine energy. And I, and, I, and I know that I can. And I also know it's a big part of what got me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. I'm courageous. I'm willing yeah. to say the things that other people aren't. I'm willing to do things that other people aren't. It's a very masculine quality. But at the same time, I think within every great leader, there's a balance of the mm-hmm. masculine and feminine. It's neither one, it, there's, there's no right or wrong way to lead. I would also say, the right way is the way that feels aligned for you and feels joyful. I'm a big believer in, as you may guess from the title of my book, yep. I'm a big believer, believer in joyful leadership. Like lead, leadership should feel fun. Mm-hmm. If you're showing up to work every day, you're dreading confrontations with your team and you're dreading having to, you know, move a project forward because you got poor performers. Like there's a problem there. Yeah. And it's, and the problem is with you. It's not with them first. If we can take responsibility, especially as entrepreneurs, take responsibility for everything that happens in my, everything that happens in my business is on me. I've hired people to help move it along. But at the end of the day, if we don't reach a goal, that is something that is my problem at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Because it all boils down to the leader. So I think we have to, we have to work on defining our leadership style and think a lot about the culture that we want to create. And I want a culture where it feels good to have honest, open conversations. It feels okay to get feedback or, or to know that there are things that need to be worked on because we're all working together. And our mission is to help as many mom entrepreneurs uh, build joyful and profitable businesses so they can live their dreams. At yeah. the end of the day, that mission is so much more important than anything else. So whatever I I do as a leader, it all comes back to to that. that. Well, and I think that that's, you know, you've mentioned a couple of key pieces there and, you know, it's similar to what I talk to my clients about is, you know, what's your intention, right? Lead intentionally. And I think a lot of us just get into it and we start just, you kind of, like you said earlier, you fall into it and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, now I'm a leader of people, but I don't know how to do it. And it's okay to slow down and reassess. Even if you've been doing this 10 years and you think, huh, I keep making the same mistake over and over. Maybe I need to slow down and reassess, you know, what's, what do I want the culture of my organization to be? What do I want my team and the people I work for and my clients to feel? How do I want them to feel about the business or about the work we're doing? And take steps that actually align with that, right? That's always where we feel most out of alignment is where we think one thing, but we do something different. And it's okay to pause, even if you're really busy, it's okay to pause and reassess. 100%. And you know, something, something fun that you didn't even realize as you're saying that Mm -hmm. is, um, this is why I wrote my book. (laughs) I think a lot of us get into, into we get into running these businesses because of an idea that we love Mm. or a value or a mission that we're passionate about. And before too long, we, we take some missteps. We start doing things because we think we should, and, and we get off track. 
And so I wrote the book for women who had built businesses that they were no longer in love with, or they were just starting to build a business. And they wanted to avoid some of those pitfalls that we all, you know, come across things like burnout, mm. right? Things like, oh my God, I can't stand all these clients. Um, I, where did my boundaries go? Why am I working 24 seven when I left a day job? So I didn't have to do that. <laughs> like, yes, these are, these are things that... <laughs> All, you know, a lot of women that I coach come up across. So it was during the early stages of the pandemic. A lot of my coaches were struggling hard and many of them were fearful that they wouldn't make it through this. Mm -hmm. um, many of them faced burnout. Many of them were going through difficult emotional challenges, relationship challenges. And I wrote this book because I thought if I could help women design their business joyfully, get back to and and by the way joyfully does not mean not profitable i'm a no, big believer yeah. <laughs> i'm a big believer that we can make a lot of money i and find joy in money <laughs> yes well cuz business isn't joyful if you're broke yes exactly business isn't joyful That's a hobby. If you're, yeah if you, if you have all these outstanding invoices and and you haven't paid yourself in 6 weeks like so yep. so you know the book was really designed to to solve these problems and it gives people a place to do that reassessment that you talked about they get to work through and say, what are my values? What is my mission? Who am I meant to serve? What excites yeah. me about my role? And, and there's, there's um, prompts throughout the book, but there's also a downloadable workbook where you can print it off and actually do the work, actually write out all of this stuff. Because I think if we're not taking breaks from time to time and, and reassessing, really just pausing and looking at these mm -hmm. things, we end up, instead of a dream business, we, we end up living a nightmare and yeah. wondering how we got here. So I'm really glad that you said that. And I, I'm grateful that you're giving me an opportunity to pass on the book to your people. Is it yes, okay if me I too. That? Yeah, absolutely. Share away. So the book is called Building a Joyful Business. And as I said, it's, it's 237 pages of helping you design a business that you love. It can be found at leannekim.com slash book, and you can get a free copy when you type in the code TEAMS, T-E-A-M-S. The book will be free and you just pay a nominal shipping fee. And that is to any listeners of Ashley's podcast, just for being here. Thank just you so for, much. Just that's for being so great wonderful. leaders. Oh, it's I think my that's pleasure. awesome. And you know what? It's okay to, you know, for all those leaders out there listening, you know, we get it. Like Leanne and I are doing this. Um, we've hit the same bumps that you're hitting. Um, I know I keep reassessing. I take those pauses. Uh, and we just do 1% better every day, right? And it's ditch that all or nothing attitude. Have the hard conversations. But I guess my last piece of, of that would be when you invest in building relationships with yourself, and your team, those hard conversations will actually become so much easier. They will just be natural conversations. It's when you haven't invested the time to have regular check-ins or touch points, or you aren't connected that when you do have to have those harder conversations, it feels harder, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you, you said it so beautifully, like we need to not not put so much pressure on ourselves to get mm -hmm. it right right we yeah. this is a journey 
Not and we're human <laughs> and we're human and, and we need to be okay with knowing that we're going to make missteps. But when we do, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't make you a bad leader. It's just another learning, right? Either I, what's, what's the expression? Either I win or I learn or either way. I can't remember it now. Maybe you need to edit this out, Ashley. <laughs> oh, no, either see, I win. we're still learning. Here it, Here it is. Either I win or I learn, but I never lose. There right? you go. Yeah. There you go. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Liam, for being here. Thank you for the gift uh, for the book. Uh, we'll make sure it's also in the show notes as well. Really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, everyone out there, you can build a joyful business and just do it your way. Love it. Amen. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right, all. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Now, if you liked what you heard, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the Teams with Ed podcast on your favorite podcast player. While you're there, leave us a review. It helps others find us and helps us grow our community. We want to hear from you. Share with me what are your goals as a leader? What are your struggles? How about your successes? If you're interested in coaching, have an idea for the podcast, or just want to chat about your business challenges, you can find me on Instagram, where I'm ashley.livingstone, that's A-S-H-L-E-E dot L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E, or LinkedIn. Now, that's always Ashley with two E's. You can also find me through my website, ourforte.ca, O-U-R-F-O-R-T-E dot C-A. Thanks, everyone.